here. Please turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 1. How many of you have ever met somebody that they always, every time you see them, they always have a story. They have something that they can tell you. They've got uh, this thing that's happened or they, they're just storytellers. Well, we, we all have a story. All of us have a story. And it's different for each one of us. Today, what we're looking at is Paul's story. And he shares it with the Philippians because he has a real heart for them. And so we're going to pick up in Galatians, as we're going through Galatians, we've been, we've been studying. Uh, we started this following our Exchange Life uh, series that we finished. And we moved into Galatians and we looked at some of the challenges that they were facing how Paul had traveled through the region of Galatia. So this letter is a letter to multiple churches that are planted in Galatia. And he is sharing with them his heart. But in the process of going to the different churches, in the process of the writing, in the process of his second missionary journey, which took him into Galatia, he ran into a group called Judaizers who were trying to take grace and add back the law on top of it And they were accusing Paul of not being a true apostle because he had not walked with Jesus Christ. He had never met him face to face. And so Paul begins to lay his story down as part of his credibility uh, and his calling. And so we're going to pick up in verse 11 and we're going to read down through verse 24. For I would have you know, brethren... That the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism. How I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral trend, uh, traditions, but when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb, and called me through His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me, so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, But I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then, three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I'm I'm writing to you, I assure you before God that I'm not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I pray this morning that as we look at Paul's story, that we will draw parallels to our own life and that we will understand the, with clarity what you are speaking here and how you are applying it to our lives. And so, Father, I pray and ask you to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, feet to obey. 
Father, thank you for the opportunity to worship together. Father, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we see this morning, as we look at Paul's story, we're going to see his encounter, his calling, and the impact that his life made. Paul's encounter uh, begins with Paul fighting this false information being spread about him, about being a false apostle, because he had not spent time with Jesus. So he's addressing his credentials uh, to speak, to write on behalf of the Lord, to uh, uh, from the experience that he had on the road to Damascus. And Paul responds to them by telling the story of how he came to know the gospel. How he came to know Christ and, and what the gospel meant. He begins, because see there was... Remember, there was a group there that were Judaizers that were sent by the religious elite trying to destroy what he was doing, trying to undermine grace, if you will. Um, they thought they were doing the right thing. That's all they had known their whole life. They had known Judaism and Paul had the same problem because we know that the Lord had been prompting him for a while and on the road to Damascus, he's told it's hard for you to kick against the goats. And so what Paul had been doing is the Lord had been working on him for a while and he, give, he gives in and now he's being used for the glory of God. And we're going we're gonna to look into the, the fullness of his life here in a moment. But the interesting part of that is they were doing what they knew. He was doing what he knew. He didn't get it from man. They were sent by man. That's what the argument he's making is he said, when you look at us, look at me. I've not been sent by a group of religious elite. I've been sent by God. And so he begins to address that. He says, he did not get it. He uses three phrases. Here. He says that he did not get it from man. See, no person told him or educated him about the gospel. It was not, um, he wasn't carrying someone else's message. This wasn't, you know, I'm not here on behalf of Bubba over there. I'm here on behalf of the Lord. So he said that he didn't get it from man. He also said that he did not learn it. He wasn't educated or informed. This wasn't an academic exercise where now I've, I've arrived at this information. I've discovered this. Now, do we enjoy academia sometimes? <laughs> sometimes we do. But most of us enjoy and engage with the Lord as He speaks to us personally about our own walk and our own devotion with Him. One of the things that I appreciated that if you weren't here for class this morning, you really missed out, that Luis brought up is that God can use anybody. God can use anybody. He did a little profile on, on Moses and the thing that I was... That we. We ran out of time, Louise, but so I'm going to add a little to the class. Uh, one of the things that I kept thinking about is Moses was running, was hiding for a while. And now he's like, you want me to go? I'm hiding from him. Yeah. He was hiding for a while because that they were looking for him because of that man that he had killed. And so it's really interesting that God will take us. It's not about how smart you are. And even Moses said, why don't you get Aaron? He can talk better than me. God will use you if you are willing. God looks at the heart. 
God looks at the heart. And if you're willing to lay it out before him. And so it wasn't an academic exercise for Paul. He says here that he received it through the revelation of Christ. See, the gospel came from the source when he met him on the road. And when we come to a place in our life where Jesus Christ is speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. Then we have a decision to make. If we don't know him, then we either have to we either turn our life over to him. And if we say wait, wait is the same as no. And we put him off for a time. And hopefully it's only a time. Hopefully we have that time. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. There is no hope of tomorrow. But then in the same way, it, we're told in other verses that as you receive me, so walk ye in me. And so when we hear him and we say yes, and we respond in that same way that we say yes and surrender, that's how we walk. Because he will speak to you in the same way that he did when he brings you to, to faith in Christ. And so here's Paul, or Saul, if you will, at, at the time, on the road. And Jesus shows up and says, you've been fighting this for a while, Paul. You've been fighting against me. Now, in this world, it's really interesting because when bad things happen to us because of our stand for Christ, we take it personal, don't we? Stephen was stoned to death and Paul was there consenting. But Jesus takes it personally too. It's personal to him. And so he shows up, he had, he had his encounter. He said, what I'm coming to speak to you is not because somebody gave it, I'm just passing it on. I'm giving it to you because I've got it from the man himself. I got it from God himself. He brought it to me. And so he's laying that credibility. Then he begins to talk about his call. And I thought this was super interesting. There's some really cool stuff in here. He talks about, he, this is a, how many of you have ever thought about um, what is my testimony? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever been instructed like write out a testimony or what is my testimony or how does that work? What, you know, well, that was a nice testimony. You shared a story. What is a testimony? This is it in a nutshell. Because he shows us his life before Christ. He talks about the experience where he meets Christ. And he talks about his life and his understanding that happens after. All in this, in this few verses here. All in verses 13 through 17. And so Saul's life before Christ, Jesus Christ, is that he practiced Judaism. He was devoted he didn't just say, I was a member of you. He said, I practiced it. You know, practice makes perfect, doesn't it? How many of you have ever practiced anything before? I remember I used to practice hitting baseballs. My mom would pitch them into me. And she, boy, she could, she could put them in there with some heat. And uh, the, uh, that's, a, that's a whole other story. But uh, yeah, she would throw them into me. And we'd hit baseballs and we'd kick soccer balls against the, you know, whatever we wanted to learn, we would just do over. Repetition, right? And so he practiced Judaism. He was an adherent to the, to the customs, and we'll see that in a moment. 
but he devoted it. He was devoted himself. And he persecuted the church, trying to destroy it. Now see, <laughs> isn't that some mixed up thinking? Here's where I was, folks. Not only was I not for God, I was against Him. I was walking contrary. And the only way to understand that is for God to come and explain that to you. To say, hey, why are you doing this? You're on a different road. It's not by education. This is spiritual enlightenment that happened in Paul's life. He was out there trying to destroy what God was building. That's a true statement, but how could you do that? It's not even possible. But that's what he was doing. Because that's where his head was at the time. He tells us that he was advancing in Judaism because he was zealous for the ancestral traditions. So because this guy was in, he was all in. He was holding on to those things. You know, have you ever met those people that are like super religious people that they're caught into something that we would not agree with necessarily from God's word? Listen, if it's in God's word, we agree with it. If it's not, we don't. Amen? Amen. Bottom line. And if I say something that's different than God's word, who's right? God's word. I'm wrong. I submit to this. It's okay. Well, it's not okay to be wrong, but it's okay to be honestly wrong. Because the truth is, we probably all have things in our life that wouldn't line up. Or even belief systems. I've had them. And it's hard to turn away from that, isn't it? Have, we've, we've talked about this before. How many of you have ever hunted for a verse? You swore it was in the Bible, could never find it. Anybody? Get Google out. Get it. I'll find it. Well, if it ain't on Google, it ain't in there, right? <laughs> That's horrible. I have two verses and things that one of the ones was from my, this is terrible, I shouldn't even tell this, but I'm going to, uh, was from my college days. We were, there was a movie that came out, we were hunting the Gulf of Souls, in God's word. It was from the seventh sign of the movie. And for a while, you know, we just grabbed it, and it's, it ain't in there. <laughs> it ain't in there. And so it's amazing when you go back and you kind of figure out where these things come from. That, that are not, this is, this is our source, folks. This is kind of bigger than normal today. But this is our source. And so Paul, he was advancing because he was zealous. Now, isn't that interesting that we see the zealousness of Saul before Christ? So he had some of these characteristics already that become apparent in his walk with Christ. The zeal, when we talk about zealousness, Paul is one that should come to our mind, right? This guy was out there, man. He was throwing himself out there. He was shipwrecked and they stoned him. I mean, that's, a, that's like getting a lethal injection and it not working. I mean, that's what it was. It was, it was death. Execution for his beliefs. And so Paul, or Saul, had a life contrary to Christ. Well, that's the first part of our testimony. Now, you don't have to be um, 
a zealot against Christ, against God to have a testimony. I think some of the safest testimonies are I was kind of a, you know I was living a moral life, but I realized I was lost. You know, I was telling a group of teenagers once just recently. I said, just being a good person and making good decisions and doing the right thing doesn't get you into heaven. And somebody in the group went, they were surprised by that. That was new information. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. And that's why he went and shed his blood for us on the cross so that we can have we can have new life with Christ. And that's what's about to happen for Saul. Saul meets Jesus Christ. And he says here that he was called by grace. Isn't that cool? He was called by grace. Remember what grace is? We talked about mercy and grace. The cop pulls me over and doesn't give me a ticket. That's mercy. And he gives me $100. That's grace. So it's getting. So if you ever see me on the road. I'm pulled over by a police officer. I'm just building my illustrations. Just kidding. That's terrible. So he's called. So he's getting something that he doesn't deserve. He's called by the grace of God. He received. That's how we're called out. It's because of the grace, because of the love, because of what he did for us and him pouring that into us. That's what motivates us. Not you oughta. Well, you oughta do this. You oughta be reading your Bible. Man, I get to read my Bible. I get to pray. You know, back in the day, getting somebody's phone number was a big deal. Because you get to talk to them, right? You remember, we all were in middle school once. Remember that? And you felt special? We have his phone number. We ought to use it. I mean, this is the one who created this whole thing. There's whole sciences dedicated to one verse of the Bible. And he made the stars. One verse. Think about that. I mean, I, I think God's just going to laugh at that one. <laughs> Something he didn't. I just picture him doing that like, oh, I'm just kind of threw him out there. Because that's about the amount of effort it would take for God. Actually, if God just thought it, it would happen. And so he meets him. He's called by grace. See, folks, that's what salvation is. Salvation isn't, well, if you don't give your life to God, you're going to die in hell. Well, that, that's a true statement, but that's not what motivates us. If he doesn't give us, a, the Bible says he doesn't give us a spirit of fear. But of love and peace, sound mind. So if you think the Lord is leading you in something and its fear is in place, that's not the Lord. Somebody said fear is this. They use the, the acronym false evidence appearing real. You ever heard that? I'm sure a lot of y'all heard that one. False evidence appearing real. We take something that's not true and it appears real to us so we accept it and we have fear now. I honestly... 
this would be a whole study, man. We ought to do this. I think people fear God in an unhealthy way sometimes. We see Him differently than He is. Now, should we have reverence? Absolutely. Absolutely. But He's called Abba Father, which means Daddy. That's an intimate term. A very intimate term. And so he meets him and he's called by grace. See, Jesus, and he, he <laughs> and so as he meets him, he's called, he's called into salvation by grace. And Jesus is revealed in him. Man, that's evident, right? When you see after the road, when he meets Christ, there is an obvious change in his life. Wouldn't y'all agree? That's what salvation is, folks. You know, we want to talk to people today about salvation and ask them, well, have you ever prayed to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? I don't think that's a good measure. I don't. Because there's a lot of people who prayed, but their heart wasn't in it. Because praying a prayer to receive Christ as your Savior, if your heart's not in it, it's an empty prayer. What I want to talk to you about is what's the evidence that Jesus Christ in and through you? Are you being convicted of sin? Are you being enlightened by the Holy Spirit in Scripture? Is He leading you into ministry and to being used for Him? Because I'll tell you what, the, the, the longer I study, the more this makes sense to me. That God takes mediocre people which we would all say, oh, that's me. I've been in that one. He takes people who say, well, I can't do this. And I, he takes, isn't that what most, well, why don't you get Aaron? I can't talk that good. Same thing. He picks a boy out of the field to lead his nation. He takes people who wouldn't, we wouldn't normally say that's the one. And he uses them mightily. And I think those people are sitting here. And if you just said, well, he can't do much with me. Fantastic. You're who he's looking for. I just got to chill. It's you. Well, I'm just not that superstar. Awesome. Well, I'm not as outspoken as Aaron. <laughs> but he picked Moses. And that's what he did here. Because he sees your heart. See, heart, I, I'll tell you what. I would rather have a smaller church whose heart was right than a bigger church who was all about showing games. Because what's the point? Listen, I can refer you to some societal things that there are some groups that you can be a part of that will fulfill all of those other needs. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to love Him, to love one another, and show the world what it means to be in a relationship with Him. And if we miss that, then we, I think we miss the point. And so Paul is saved. He met Him. Jesus is revealed in Him, and Jesus is revealed in you as well. That's what salvation is. But Paul's calling... 
Paul says this now. That he was set apart from his mother's womb. He understood when he came into a relationship with Christ, what his whole life was for. Which goes back and spans all those years of being really put himself into Judaism. And all those years of, uh, that he had spent before Christ. Persecuting the church, putting people to death, all of that. He said, from my mother's womb he set me apart. Because when you come into a relationship with Christ, you understand your purpose and why you're here. Now, please don't be scared because I used to hear that and I would sit out exactly where you are. And there was someone else standing here and I would I would be wondering, well, what is God's will for my life? And it always we always associated that I did. I can't speak for you with a job, you know. Should I be an engineer? Should I be a pastor? Should I be a missionary? Should I be whatever? What is God's calling for me? Let me tell you, it's really clear. He says it several times. We have to do that too. Somebody needs to be writing these down. um, Of what is God, what am I called to? What is God's will? We're called to love Him. And if you love him and just listen to as he leads you, you're going to fulfill whatever he wants you to do. We don't need to worry about that. Because he's not going to be hesitant to tell those who are in love with him how he wants to use them because that's what they're going to give away. That's what he wants for everybody is for them to be in love with him. Because he wants to give them a life better than they could even conceive of. And so he set apart from his mother's womb. He, he was called. He said his work was to preach to the Gentiles. Herein was the beginning of the spread of the gospel. From a guy who was big in Judaism. <laughs> but he's called to a group that was considered dogs and outsiders. I mean, see how far this is for Paul? He was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And he checked with the Lord to see if his calling was from him before he started talking with men. Listen. Talk to him. If you think he's telling you to do something or to be a part of something or to um, be used in somebody's life, talk to him first. I don't know why we do it, but we call our friends and we call... We ask somebody else, you know, what do you think about him? I just heard this from the Lord. What do you think about him? Who cares what they think if you heard from the Lord? Does that seem a little ridiculous? <laughs> what do I care what Bubba thinks that the Lord has spoken to me? Why don't I check with the Lord first? Has God ever spoken to you say, are you sure you want me to do that? <laughs> I have a lot. <laughs> Check with him. Talk to him. Well, but I got all these ailments and I can't I can't do this. And I, you know, I my one eye sees far, my other eye only sees near, and so I walk in circles a lot. And so how could God use me? Really? <laughs> God made all of this. He made you with your strengths and your weaknesses. 
And I'm going to tell you something. Get ready. He'll use both of them for his glory. God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. And God can straighten out a crooked stick to draw a straight line or a crooked line. And so Paul's transformation was the evidence that he had met Christ. He's saying, look at my life. Look at where I was. I met him. Look at where I am today when you consider what I have to say. And so his impact went beyond. This is Paul's story. His impact in the area and the community and where his calling was in the Gentiles. Paul begins his ministry. This is interesting. Paul begins his ministry by building relationships. Do you notice that? I thought that was really interesting. He goes and he spends 15 days with Cephas. Woo, Cephas. We talk about Cephas a lot, don't we? You know who Cephas was? Peter. Jesus called him that out by the fire, remember? He went and he spent 15 days with Simon Peter. And I'll show you from the text how we know that he, it was Peter in just a moment. Or that at least that he was an apostle. But he spends 15 days there. And he only sees, other than Cephas, he sees James, the Lord's brother. Now was James his younger brother or his older brother? has to be his younger brother because Jesus was born of a virgin that's a trick question we used to do that in seminary the same way the guys would get it we had we were smart alecky to each other we had a good time though it's his younger brother James born to Joseph and Mary and so he spends time <laughs> he said this he said I did not see any of the other apostles. It's in your text. The other apostles, meaning that this was one, implying that he was one of the apostles. Except James. And we also know that Jesus called Peter Cephas. And so that's how we know. So an other apostle means that this was also an apostle. Y'all follow me? Okay. I didn't see any other of heads of state other than whoever. So we know you saw a head of state. That's how that works. And so he goes on. He said from there he went on to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. But the interesting thing is he was unknown to them by sight. See, they didn't have the internet back then. You couldn't just look them up. Like Google them. Listen, when I was in school... Google didn't exist. We had these other web crawlers. Well, we had the IBM XT and AT with the screen that was green, and then the upgrade had the orange screen that was about this big. And some of you are too young to know what this sound is, but it used to go. <laughs> Any young people know what that sound is? <laughs> Look at me like, you love your mind. How many of you older people know what this is? 
How many of you are older and don't want to raise your hand? <laughs> but he used to do that and they would drop because there would be so much information. It was just, it was a mess. And then they improved it. But they didn't know he was by sight. They didn't have internet and newspapers and all that back then. But here's what they did know. They had heard about him. Word had spread. Word of mouth. Isn't that interesting? Word of mouth was alive and well even then. They had heard about him, even though they didn't know him by sight. But here's the message that they had heard about Paul. He who once persecuted the church is now preaching the faith, which he once tried to destroy. Well, that's a big change, isn't it? It's a big change in his life. You're trying to destroy it, now you're preaching it? You know, probably early on there was some suspicion about this. Is this a trick to get inside? Is Paul just trying to gain an advantage? And that's why when he was directed, he direct, God directed certain men to go get him. Because he had some credibility issues early on. And so here he's preaching. That's quite a change. But see, listen, when Jesus saves you, there is a change. There ought to be a change. See, they glorified God because of the transformation in Paul's life. He says they're glorifying him. When you see the hand of God work through the lives of other people, you ought to be glorifying God for that. We ought to glorify God. And so what do we learn from Paul's story? What do we learn from Paul's story? Well, people are going to challenge us and the message we bring. They're going to challenge you and the message. They're going to attack you and what you say. Not a surprise. But here it is in Paul's life. Remember, we have to remember this. It's not personal. When they do that, even though it seems, they'll turn it personal. Because what does it say? We're to love, we're to love them, right? But what does John tell us about the darkness related to the light? What is the dark, how does the darkness feel about the light? It hates the light. The darkness hates the light. So when it hates you, for shining the light of Christ, don't be surprised. Well, anybody here want to be hated? No. See, that's where here's how the enemy works. Do you want to be so you're going to be hated now? So we don't want to be hated, we want to be accepted. So he appeals to that instead of to obedience, and we mask the light. Because we're more concerned about acceptance than we are obedience. And we don't share. People will challenge both you and the message. Listen, people respond. When people respond, is a result. When people respond to the message you bring, it is a result of the moving of the Spirit and their willingness to obey. You know how I know that? Don't raise your hand, okay? 
How many of you have ever had the Spirit of God speak to you about something either wanted you to do, or wanted you to get right, or about a relationship that had fallen apart, or something going on in your life? Has anybody here, other than me, I'm going to raise my hand because I've done it, unfortunately. Has any of you not fallen through on that? I have. So if you're looking for a perfect pastor, keep looking. Because he's not here. But those moments that I didn't have helped me to say yes in the moments I have. Because I missed out. And so people respond to the message based on the moving of the Spirit and their willingness to obey. Because we have to be willing or we're not going to do it. And so their response is not our, is not an issue of obedience for us. Well, what, you know, you want me to share Christ, but, you know, what if they say no? We care that if they miss out, but that's between them and the Lord. Who saves people? He does, right? Not us. Well, but I am so shy, I would really just rather be by myself somewhere. I'll talk to them, but I'm going to hide over here when I talk to them. And I'm going to, you know, Jesus loves you. And we're so shy, we we keep that to ourselves. But you know the interesting thing is, you know what I noticed about shy people? Any shy people in here? Yeah, I knew you wouldn't raise your hand. Well, one of you did. You're coming out of it. You're coming out of it, brother. You're being healed. No, I'm just kidding. We have shy people. I used to be one of them. <laughs> Nobody believes me when I say that. I was. I was very shy. But when you get around your friends, I've watched you shy people. When you get around people that you've gotten to know, holy mackerel, you're a totally different person. You're bubbly, and you're like, Hey, man, yeah, we're having fun. I have to go talk to somebody you. Right, shy people? So maybe these are the people God wants to use you with. There's a Greek word called oikos. And it just means extended family. There's a book out called, uh, entitled, I think it's 8 to 15. Isn't that the title? 8 to 15. And it talks about the people that come into your life. There's about 8 to 15 people in your life at any given time that are close enough to you to have a conversation. <laughs> Just start there. But then the shy people, when we go through this, they say, well, if I start there, I could lose somebody that I'm really comfortable with. The only reason to accept that is to believe that what you have is not that valuable. Because if I really love them, I'm going to give them the most valuable thing I have, and his name is Christ. If I really love them. I know the fear because I go through the same thing with certain people. I'm waiting for my moment. I'm waiting for my time. I'm waiting. To the, and we wait and we never do it. And so people are going to challenge both us and the message. 
their response has to do with the movement of the Spirit and their willingness. That's one. Two, what else have we learned? God saved you for a purpose. Listen, we talk about salvation as rescuing us from sin and hell. Right? I mean, that's what we sell. Essentially, we talk about, you know, if you choose Jesus Christ, you can do heaven when you die. Why do we sell that? There's like this whole section of salvation missing in the middle. A section where we're having this great relationship. He's saving us every day. See, we're saved into a calling, folks. We're not just saved to heaven. We're not saved to a destination. We're saved to a person. And in that salvation, there is... If, if his only goal for us... Okay, let's just call it out. If his only goal for us was heaven, then why are we still here for saved? I have heard some of the most ridiculous answers to that question. Well, so we can learn. If I go to heaven, then I can see perfectly. I don't need to learn. He can fix that. And why are we here? Because he invites us into the blessing of participating with him. He's trying to give us a blessing of seeing his hand fall and his hand move on people who have free will and have the choice of choosing him or not. And watching the Spirit of God work in the moment. And we're cheating ourselves out of that because we're afraid. Or because we're trying to preserve what we think we have. Listen, we've been saved to a purpose bigger than ourselves. We have a call. You have a call with eternal significance. We used to have we used to have our core values up. It talks about every member is called a ministry. That's one of them. Some of y'all remember that from the class. Some of y'all don't remember that from the class, but it was there. You are called to ministry. We think about being called to ministry. We think about pastors, missionaries. And all. I don't know how that happened, but we are all called, folks. We are all called. I am in the ditch with you. We are walking together. Three. When you choose to live for Christ openly, it's going to impact other people. See, sometimes the reason we don't take a verbal stand for Christ is because we don't live for Him. Because of choices and decisions we make. And I love this one. Well... We just render, and if they use the verse for this one, to be disobedient, I think. We render under Caesar with Caesar's and God with God. So I'll talk to people when I can on my time. Listen, how many of you have ever had a coworker pass away? I have two. I had a coworker pass away that I had gone to lunch with. Not right after, but. And you know what? I was working my way. Don't miss your opportunities. He actually, 
the co-worker I lost actually committed suicide. Terrible. So if you think I don't understand, I do. I've been there. I wish I could have one conversation with him, but it's too late. Take your opportunities. Take them. Don't worry about the gospel's offensive, so you're right about that. But, you know, here's the thing. We're going to offend people anyway. We may as well offend them with something that could transform their life. Don't be offensive in how you do it. But if you love them, tell them the truth. You know, I read this story this weekend. I thought, man, that's right on, on the money. There was this little boy. He was in the Florida beach. And he walks up to this, this young girl who was laying out, catching some rays out on the beach. And he begins to ask her some questions. He says, excuse me, do you believe in God? She's, you know, first she's taken back a little bit. And she goes, well, why, yes, I do. And then he goes on and he goes, well, do you go to church every Sunday? She's like, well, yes, I do. You know, they're on the beach, right? And then he asked her, do you read your Bible and pray every day? And she's, she goes, well, yes, I do. And she's, her, her curiosity's peaked. And the little boy sighs. He goes, good. Could you hold my quarter while I go in the ocean? <laughs> And the takeaway for us is how we live affects other people. He wanted to know how she lived before he could trust her. How we live affects other people. Listen, folks, you have a story. And it's awesome. And it's filled with successes and failures. If you think being a failure disqualifies you, then I'm out. That's the fact that I'm done. This is it for me. Some of you think maybe your prayers have been answered this morning. <laughs> but God doesn't pick people because they're successful. He picks you because he loves you. And you're amazing and awesome. Not based upon what you can do. But because of who you are. Let the world see. Christ in you. You do not have to look like the world. And I'm going to tell you this. If the world accepts you. If the world is comfortable. Around you being the world. Maybe there's an issue. How you live. Affects other people. With a little boy asking you to hold his quarter. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes.